334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Friday the 13th, everybody. Hope you're all doing well as the temperature has dropped. It is chilly outside today. Hope you're all doing well as we wrap up the week here in the second week of January in 2023. Again, Friday the 13th, if you believe in all that stuff, I don't know what to tell you it is kind of cool though it happens every now and then friday the 13th but hope you're all doing well we have a lot to talk about today here on the friday edition of on the line going to be a little bit different today um i will be here uh in the first hour jacob goes carter bird with you on espn 106.7 i will be here for the first hour and then i will be leaving in the second hour i am going to glenwood to call lee scott basketball on the road at rival glenwood tonight so i will be Uh, leaving out after the first hour, driving up about 40 minutes from here and calling Lee Scott Basketball. Carter, you will be in studio for the second hour. Uh, You've got a couple of people stopping by. Is that correct? Yes, I believe so as of right now. Uh, Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily will be coming in studio. uh, And then we think maybe Jack Hudden will be here as well so there you go most Fridays yep yep he's here here Jack is here most Fridays like Carter just said so they will be in studio joining Carter Uh, they will be talking all things Auburn athletics with football basketball uh, previewing this weekend in basketball maybe even dip into some NFL possibly with playoffs starting this weekend so that's exciting I was just thinking we could we can talk about that as well yeah that's Big weekend for uh, sports. Huge, huge weekend as the NFL playoffs get underway. Uh, NBA, NHL in the heart of their seasons uh, as they get inch closer to the postseason in April. Obviously, some Auburn football news. There's some guys on campus this weekend that we're going to talk about here coming up in just a little bit. And of course, Auburn basketball plays tomorrow night at home against Mississippi State. So lots to talk about today. We'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are open all show long. 334 321 1390 that number again 334-321-1390 our new intern Jenny is patiently waiting to take your call we would love to hear from you anything on your mind in the sports world we want to hear from you 334-321-1390 and Carter we'll start with football because Auburn has a couple of transfer portal guys on campus this weekend there's a couple that are on campus I think it's going to be when it's all said and done much more than a couple Mm -hmm. well there's a couple that are here right now yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple linebackers expected on campus. I know one is here right now, uh, Nick Jackson. Is it Jackson or is it Johnson? Maybe, maybe I had that wrong. I think yeah, it's, Nick, it's Nick Jackson. Jackson, yeah. The the Virginia transfer linebacker, one of the top linebackers in the portal, if I am uh, not mistaken there, a guy who played a long time at uh, Virginia. He played, looks like he was at Virginia for four years these past Three seasons, he has eclipsed 100 tackles a season. For his career, he has 352 tackles uh, at Virginia. Somebody who is a big guy, um, 6'1", 235, 240. Uh, That's kind of where he's at, and I think that he could be uh, a welcome addition to the Auburn linebacking corps. Somebody who is uh, experienced, can bring some leadership to that group, because Let's be honest, with Owen Papel going to the NFL, 
who's the most experienced guy in that room? Who's the most experienced guy in that room that you know, oh, that's the the leader of this group? Because you kind of went, what, Deshaun Davis to Zacoby McClain mm-hmm. to Owen Papo. That's kind of how the baton's been passed. You're kind of at a, I mean, you're you're at a weird spot Cam right now. Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner, but the, I mean, the production's not huge out of either of those guys. Um, I guess Wesley Steiner has played the most games. Cam Riley probably has the most production. But are you confident in those guys to be your go-to starting no. linebackers week one? No, exactly. No. So that is why you see Hugh Freeze and staff going after linebackers in the portal. The other linebacker that is officially on campus, uh, according to Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, uh, Austin Keys, the Ole Miss linebacker transfer. He is on campus as well. So we've seen Auburn already go in the SEC West and get a – Transfer portal linebacker, obviously the one uh, Demario Tolan from LSU. He has come and committed to Auburn, and the Tigers are now in the SEC West again and going after Ole Miss's linebacker, Austin Key. So he is on campus as well. And Carter, I really like him, by the way. I do too. Who, Austin Keys? Yes. Yeah, I, I think he's extremely talented. I think, I think Nick Jackson is a great one-year bridge guy. Um I don't know exactly what his transfer portal ranking is. I'm trying to pull it up right now. I know he's high up there. Um, but when I look at um, Austin Keys, I look at a guy who has a couple years to play. I think he's got a high ceiling athletically. I think he's going to be an NFL linebacker for a decently long time. Uh, and so, I'm, I mean, I'm excited that Auburn has done – Put forth so much effort to get these guys on campus. By the way, um, Demario Tolan was actually the number five linebacker in the transfer portal right now, trying to find Nick Jackson. I thought he was higher than this, to be honest with you. But uh, no, I think that this is a great opportunity for Auburn this weekend. And it, those may not be the only linebackers that that Auburn goes after in the portal, um, because we know it's a position that feels. Thin because there's not a lot of experience and production in that room. Uh, the linebacking room has not met the expectations that you would expect. I'm curious to see if things start to uh, shake out via the portal here over the next week or so. Well, I think it's impressive. Again, we've talked about it a little bit, but it's impressive to see Hugh Freeze and staff going to the portal, not just going to the portal, not just addressing the needs of this team, they're not afraid to go anywhere that they need to to get who they want. And this is the second time at the linebacker position. We've seen Hugh Freeze go to the SEC West. They haven't had to go far. They've gone to the SEC West. They've stolen one, and they're on the verge of trying to get another one. And how mm-hmm. important is that to have a coach and a coaching staff that they will do whatever it takes and get whoever they need to make this team better? I mean, it's huge. It's huge when you have a... A staff that uh, can take some time to evaluate what is what the landscape is on your roster and can identify, okay, here's where we have to get better. Here's where we need to upgrade. Uh, here's some guys that we've identified, we've broken down the film, we've evaluated that we think can plug into those needs for us. And I think that that's key. I think that that's very, very key when you look at this um, – by the way, Nick Jackson on on three, the number three linebacker in the portal. So that would be another big upgrade for Auburn. 
Uh, I know Omar Spates is a guy uh, out at Oregon State who just hit the portal, who is a name that uh, potentially Auburn could be interested in. Who knows? I think that four linebackers added in this portal period would put this defense in a really strong spot. And just add add that position group to the list that needed help desperately coming into the offseason in a list that Hugh Freeze and this staff, every single one of them, have gone and addressed the situations, and they're not done. They're mm-hmm. not done getting guys out of the portal. This is a side note. Did you see the announcement from Chris Lowe right as we went on the air? I did not. Pete Golding leaving Alabama to replace Chris Chris Partridge as defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. So there was there was some buzz about that earlier in the in the uh, week. Pete and Golding to go would be the defensive coordinator for the Rebels. Interesting. It's going to be interesting because it's interesting. All of a sudden, Pete Golding, he's got half the talent on the on the defensive side of the ball that he had at 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 uh, at Alabama. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how how Ole Miss's defense can improve, and mm-hmm. or if it does at all. Yeah, I, it is going to be interesting because we know Ole Miss needs help on defense. We know uh, they they need some more talent on defense. Obviously, they're losing a guy in Austin Keys in linebacker, right? But yeah, Pete yep. Golding, who's been at Alabama. Here's the the quote from Chris, or the tweet from Chris Lowe of ESPN it says Pete Golding is leaving Alabama to replace Chris Partridge as defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Sources tell ESPN Golding has been with Nick Saban at Alabama since 2018, the last four seasons as defensive coordinator. And look, Alabama fans have been up in arms about the both coordinators and both of their futures at Alabama have been in question over the last month or so, (laughs) right? So not super surprised to see that he's leaving, but for him to go to another SEC West school in Ole Miss. Yeah, I I tell you what, I... There were some murmurs that maybe we saw... um, there were some murmurs that maybe Nick Saban wanted to move on at some coordinator positions. And uh, I'll be interested to see what, what his move is next. I, I'm, I'm curious. There's kind of the uh, shadow out there of Jeremy Pruitt. Could he return to college football in Tuscaloosa as defensive coordinator at Alabama? Mm, interesting. Names flying around. He doesn't. I mean, he's not anywhere right now. Yeah, that's it would fair. make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know what his show cause would be with the NCAA, with the fact that he got caught up with all the Tennessee stuff. Yeah, interesting. We'll find out. We'll talk about it some more coming up in just a little bit. But let's get to the phone lines three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Shane, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey guys, how are y'all today? Doing well, right, man. Shane, how, are how are you? Hey, I'm I'm well. Uh, I was just thinking about Auburn situation right now mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that we haven't brought in you know this high profile quarterback and um, I, was, I was just wondering you know we, we're we're setting up for the future we're getting our foundation really really nice and then you know if we have some weapons that they're bringing in some wide receivers you know uh, so, some different weapons for whoever the quarterback is maybe it's not as big a deal because Think about I know I know there's a lot of Bo Nix haters, but that dude is good. He's good. If he had had a good offensive line, our, our run game and our passing would we we, we I mean it, it would, we would be amazing. You know, we would have been a, a nice two or three years with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the fact that he was running for his life every snap, 
uh, and and the fact that our our O line couldn't create any any holes for our running game, it just it just kind of just stopped everything. So so I was wondering, you know, since it looks like we're we're kind of um, realizing that, or this new staff is, hey, let's you know let's 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 get these guys some help, whoever that guy is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, you if you take out. Talking Bo Nix, right? Taking out the the fact of him playing in the Pac-12 because yes, that does have some to do with it. But if you just look at and it shows that if he has the guys around him to make him better, if he has the offensive line, if he has receivers, has running backs, right, has a coach that knows how to use him, Bo Nix is really talented, and you're going to see it again next year because he's coming back for 2023. He had potential to be really, really great at Auburn. He was special here when he was at Auburn, uh, but he definitely didn't have the help that he needed, and I think you're right, Shane. I think that Hugh Freeze and this staff realize that a quarterback, whoever it's going to be in 2023 and for the future, they need the proper help. Right, and and if we and I don't remember a time when when we had a receiver that that you you knew that was going to catch the ball, you know, uh, <laughs> like like it was just it was we've been, we've had it down in a couple of spots, and receiver has been one of them. Like like there's just no consistency on on well, you know, I'm going to throw the ball, and I know this guy's going to catch it, even though it hits him in the hand. Yeah, he's not going to catch it. Well, so I'm, I mean, Shane, I'm, I'm Shane, hoping the, at least uh... we get one or two more you know wide receivers yeah. in. Shane, uh, Shane, that, that I, I, I think Auburn is going to add an, another receiver. Uh, I think it'll probably just be one if I had to guess. But, yeah, to, to your point about not knowing which guys were going to catch the ball, I mean, Camden Brown out there and in small spurts, we saw some good things out of him. But uh, probably the best hands catcher on the team we've seen over the last two seasons barely got on the field, and that was Landon King. Yeah, uh, I just I just would like it consistent every single game that you could rely on somebody yeah, and agreed. you know not not just spurts of oh this guy can catch but but is he you know I don't I, I'm sure a lot of that is the fact that if our quarterback's running for his life the whole time then then the other guys the, the routes are gone so they have to kind of scramble themselves and so it's not always you know not always just clear cut I'm gonna throw it here you're gonna catch it because the, the whole the whole the whole play got got blown up right mm-hmm. yeah it's not always just a simple pitch and catch with Auburn a lot of times on offense hasn't been uh okay, hasn't guys. been in the past all right War Eagle guys yeah appreciate it Shane good to hear from you man that is Shane joining us on the phone lines we'd love to hear from you as well 334-321-1390 he's not wrong I mean he's not wrong about Auburn not having a, a consistent receiving core over the last couple of seasons. Uh, we saw late last year, early in this past season, drops were a huge part of Auburn's lack of success I mean, on offense. Let's be honest. When's the last time Auburn had a consistent receiving core in general? Uh, a receiving core. Like uh, two, three, or four solid guys as receivers. 2014? Maybe. twenty. I mean, you had... Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz. But to me, I never felt like you you saw their potential maxed out at Auburn at any point. I thought that there were moments where Seth Williams could kind of check himself out of games if things went went uh south off the bat and you know um the body language at times wasn't great. Anthony Schwartz had some injuries. He had the broken hand that he played through. And Swartz wasn't used properly. He wasn't. Well, he, like. 
He, I mean, look, Schwartz to is me, great. To me, I think Schwartz was somewhat of a one-trick pony as a receiver. As He's fast. As, as far as his straight-line speed was awesome. I, I think the acceleration was fine. I think his top-end speed was unbelievable. But his hands were iffy. Right, you're not going to throw a 50-50 ball down the sideline to him. He was not a guy who's going to make you miss side-to-side either. That, that right. wasn't who he was. And so I think that I guess you could make the argument that that was the receiving core, the reliable receiving core kind of, mm-hmm. but they never hit their ceiling to me. I think you go back to Duke Williams and Sammy Coates. Yeah. That's your best receiving core. Before that, I mean, I guess you're going back to Abamanu, Mix, Aroma mm-hmm. Shadu, Courtney Taylor. You're, reach, you're reaching back now, I boy. Mean, yeah, you're reaching that back. That group was awesome. Yes, it I, was. Like, I would do anything as if I was an Auburn fan to have that depth and those different skill sets. Anthony Mix would wreck college football in the modern in the modern game of college football. He would wreck the game. I'm with you. I'm with you. But look, Auburn fans obviously uh, looking to get some receivers. I think Auburn will try to address it in the portal. Will it be as much as Auburn fans want? Probably not. But they will get there. I'm telling you, they will get there. They also are going to try and get a quarterback. We've talked about that as well. We'll talk more about Auburn football later on in the show. Talk Auburn basketball as well as they get ready to take on Mississippi State tomorrow night in Neville Arena. 334-321-1390. More of the Friday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Talking Auburn football uh, in the portal and we had a caller, Shane, talking about the receivers and quarterback situation where, uh, Carter, you and I have addressed it, right? We we both are confident that Auburn will go and get a quarterback. Um, they're running out of time to do it in this cycle, yeah. but I still think they're going to go get one. They're, they're going to go get one whether it's in May or it's before the 18th. Like, it's going to happen. Um, a bunch of names don't jump out to me right now. Could the picture become a lot clearer after this weekend when they're going to have more transfer video visitors? Yes. Uh, by the way, in, in the break, I was looking up Anthony Mix and what he was listed at at Auburn. Mm-hmm. You, six five two forty eight at wide receiver. Tell me that that wouldn't just wreck people. I love in it. Twenty. I absolutely love it. Oh, I mean, that's enormous. Could you imagine? Oh, again to have that again. I mean, he'd be, he'd be your kind of hybrid tight end receiver, a yeah. guy who is really, really good. Uh, just Anthony Mix, if you want to go back in time and become, I don't know, 15 years younger, if you want to come play at Auburn, I would not be upset. Yeah, that'd be totally fine with me. Well, again, just talking Auburn in the portal because there's guys on campus today, this weekend, uh, just add it to the list of the busy weekends in Auburn that Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff have had. I mean, they have hosted hundreds of kids. Yeah. I mean, something something that I think is to, is somebody to keep an eye on. You know how much we've talked about the quarterback position? There is a really, really intriguing one out there right now that this time yesterday... We thought we knew where he was going to go. Mm-hmm. Walker Howard, 
everybody expected him to go to TCU. But now, TCU offense coordinator Garrett Riley is at Clemson. Saw that. I think that opens the door for really anybody who wants to get in the ball game for Walker Howard. I think um, we we had Chris Gordy talk about how Florida's looking at him as a replacement for Jaden Rashada because that whole drama is still ramping up. Because right now, I don't I don't think I realize this. If Florida goes into spring with the current state of the roster in the quarterback room, they will have one scholarship quarterback going through spring practice, and that's Graham Mertz, the transfer. Oof. Oof. Because there's been a lot that oh, has a, gone on yeah. with that with that quarterback's room and why the, the numbers are so low. They were banking on Jaden Rashada being there. He's not there anymore. They're going to be in it for Walker Howard. What a the, disaster the, that the was. The interesting thing is, and maybe I'm reading the Florida academic schedule wrong, but it appears to me the last day to add or drop classes at Florida, which seems to me the last day to enroll, is today. Really? Is today. Which is five days earlier than Auburn. Just exactly. for reference. Exactly. So if if you're if you're Florida by that measure, hmm. you've got to lock them down before five o'clock. Wow. That's that's interesting. That's really, really interesting. And if you haven't read into what's happening at Florida right now in the quarterback room and the whole situation that's going on, do yourself a favor and read into that because it is a disaster. And I mean, they, they had Anthony Richardson go to the NFL, which is one of the weirdest one of the weirdest careers we've see, probably seen in recent history of a guy who his college production is not that good. Freak athlete, though. At what six five, six four? Yeah, I mean the dude's a stud. Can run, has speed, has a cannon for an arm struggles at times to put to put it all together was banged up all year this year before this this before this year some mock drafts had him going sixth in the draft he hadn't thrown for a thousand yards in his in his Florida career before this year and I don't get it man and it's like that with guys sometimes in the NFL they those scouts and teams they see guys like Anthony Richardson and they don't have to put up a bunch of numbers in college because they they think they know what they can do in the NFL. If I was a betting man, I'm not betting on Anthony Richardson to have a great NFL career. I'm just not. I just don't I don't see how they're going to reel it all in. Maybe they're thinking he's going to be the next Lamar Jackson type of player, the run and throw quarterback option, the next Patrick Mahomes if you will, maybe. I don't know. I'm not saying he's going to be. I don't think he will. But I've got to be thinking that's what I the scouts are saying. Raw. I think he's very raw. And that's that's something you're seeing right now with the NFL is because of the success of Josh Allen, you're seeing some NFL teams chase the raw tools and try to piece it all together. Because, what, Josh Allen was bad for a year and a half, two years, and then year three became a superstar? But see, I like that way better than what we've seen with Lamar Jackson, who came on the NFL scene and just exploded and took everybody by storm and was a superstar, won an MVP, and now, obviously, I know he's injured, but he's tailed off, and everybody's figured out how to play Lamar Jackson, and I think he's been brought down to earth. I still think he's a great player, 
But Lamar Jackson's not that game changer to the level that he used to be in his first few years in the NFL. The guy that has been able to sustain that is Patrick Mahomes, who is a freak, right? He's a freak of nature in the NFL. But I but think that's like you have Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, yeah. who are guys with the raw tools. Who has a better arms. career, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson? If you were an NFL franchise, who do you take a chance on right now? I take a I take a chance on Levis because Levis actually has more college production. It I may agree. not be pretty. Like I didn't think he was that good this past year. I don't think either of them were that good this past year. I trust Levis as a passer more than I do Richardson, which is what I'm going for in the NFL. Let's just be honest. 30 minutes in to hour number one. We'll talk Auburn basketball as they get ready to take on Mississippi State tomorrow in Neville Arena. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes in to hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, been talking Auburn football. We're going to sort of transition into Auburn basketball as the Tigers are back home in Neville Arena tomorrow. They will take on Mississippi State tomorrow night, 7.30 on the SEC Network. So, uh, it- before we get to that, you I started just, giving me a weird look. I what came you got? across maybe the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Okay, Mac McClung, the athletic six foot two guard playing for the G League's Delaware Blue Coats, uh-huh. has accepted an invitation to be in the NBA slam dunk competition at the All Star break. They can do that. First G League player to ever be in it. This is from Shams. Oh, Shams, love him, <laughs> love him. I didn't know they could do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry to throw us off topic. That I was a curveball. To like, that's so weird. Interesting. Well, I hate NBA All Star voting because it's a popularity contest. LeBron James leads the NBA All Star voting. He's so had a good year. He's had a decent year. I mean, dude, he's like 40. He's I know. He's like 26 and eight and eight. It's a popularity contest. That's all it is. I look. It's fine. The NBA All Star Game has gotten better when they made it actually competitive and the teams started actually playing and you had to play defense a little bit. They actually made it pretty entertaining. And the NBA All Star Weekend is still the best one besides the NHL. Sorry. I like that 29, one. Twenty nine, eight point four, and six point eight. At thirty eight years old. Did you see Russell Westbrook last night? He won. He went off too. He had like twenty eight points off the bench. Lakers aren't terrible. Anthony Davis has been hurt forever, and he'll always be hurt. And he'll Davis. never. He'll never be in the Hall of Fame. And he'll never have a career because like you're like, oh, this guy's a top three player, top three or four player in the NBA, and then out of nowhere, it's just like gone. Yeah, it's Anthony That's Davis. What his career feels. It's like. horrible, and I really want him to be successful, more successful, because I have a basketball that he signed, and I want that to be worth a lot of money one day. And right now, it's just not. So. That's where we're at with Anthony Davis. That's where we're at with the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA All-Star Weekend. Let's talk about Auburn a little bit as they will play Mississippi State tomorrow night again, 7.30 on the SEC Network. After that game, you can tune in for After the Game here on ESPN 106.7 with Carter Bird and Jack Hutton. That You guys will go on about, what, 9.45, 10 o'clock, somewhere in there and yeah, talk about this game? Around the same time as, as last week. Mm-hmm. Yep, so you guys will be live every Saturday between now and beginning of March uh, for every Saturday 
Auburn basketball game, you can tune in and listen to those guys call in like you can our shows and give your thoughts on Auburn's performance. According to ESPN's matchup predictor, Auburn's got a 75% chance of winning tomorrow. 75.6. I feel feels very high. The line is not out yet, of course. We've talked about college basketball. You can't get a spread until the day of, which is really annoying. Or Well, it's like the night before. Yeah. So I like I think it's stupid. It bothers me. It is me. stupid. But um anyway. How do you feel about it tomorrow? I feel pretty good. <laughs> Coming back home, the way that Alan Flanagan, the way that Wendell Green are both playing, the way that Janai Broom has become a dominant force down low. I mean, you can make an argument right now, he might be a top two or three center in the SEC with the way he's playing. And with the way some of the other centers are playing. I mean, Castleton hasn't quite been what he's been the last two years. Uh, Sheway's taken a step back. He's still really good by his numbers. Um, I think that Janai Broom is showing a lot right now. And the fact that he's he's hit this extra gear over the last three weeks, and he's been nothing short of just dominant down low. And impressive. Every time out. Because you know, you know he's going to go get you double-digit points. And you know he's going to get you 8 to 12 rebounds a game. And you know he's going to go get you a few blocks as well. And even if he doesn't have huge block numbers, he's going to alter a bunch of shots because he's really good with his timing down low on defense. And and I'll take that every time out of him. You look at Mississippi State right now, 12-4, and right? They're 12-4 and overall. And if you start looking at their team stats, they're a little skewed. And what I mean by that is... They're scoring 66 points a game. They're only allowing 57 points a game, which you look at that and you're like, wow, that is really, really impressive, right? A lot of that was done in their non-con play where they do hold a win. This is very important. They do hold a win over Marquette, who is a top 25 team who just beat the number six team in the country, UConn. Mississippi State holds a win over that Marquette team, 58-55. Now, it was early in the season. That was the fifth game of this season. Then you start looking at SEC play, and before conference play, they dropped a game to Drake, 58-52, so that's not pretty on the resume either. But their SEC games, they lost to Alabama, 78-67. They got destroyed by Tennessee, 87-53. They beat Ole Miss, 64-54. And they're coming off a loss on the road at Georgia, 58-50. So them and Auburn have something in common. They've both lost in Athens. So this Mississippi State team, they play pretty good defense. Their offense is not great. Uh, Again, they'd only scored 50 points on the road in Athens the other night. Now they're really into the heart of their schedule. They come on the road to Auburn. Then they play that Tennessee team again. Then they play Florida. Then they're at Alabama. Then they have a ranked TCU team in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. We have talked about this already. They might have the toughest schedule of any SEC team because, especially with the way that they – uh, dropped that game to Georgia in a spot that they really needed to win. And then, of course, when you look at the fact that they they um, lost to Drake before conference mm-hmm. play started, yep. you look at this Mississippi State team, and in SEC play, when you compare their numbers to their overall, they're allowing 56.8 overall for the whole season. They're scoring 65.8. In SEC play, they're only scoring 58 and a half. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're allowing 69.25. Exactly. And look at their shooting percentage. You think Auburn's a bad shooting team? Mississippi State shoots worse than Auburn. Can you believe it? On the season, Auburn shoots 44%. Mississippi State shoots 41 This is not going to be a pretty game tomorrow. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Because of the way 
Auburn's offense is, I think it's starting to flow a little bit better. I want to see how it looks tomorrow. But the way Auburn plays defense versus a team like Mississippi State, who, like you just said in conference play, they're not scoring very much. They're not shooting very much. This could be a very low-scoring, ugly type of game. I feel good about it's Auburn tomorrow. It's two teams tomorrow. in the 300s uh, at shooting threes. Oh, gosh. Mississippi State's 279th at shooting twos. Auburn's 117, so that's a lot better. Um, Auburn's not a good free-throw shooting team, sitting at 262 in the country. But uh, State, 359. So there's basically, only, there's only 363 teams. So basically, Auburn should not be worried to foul Mississippi State tomorrow. Hey, is, you, is what if, you're saying. If they want to get in a hack a shack kind of game, hack a bulldog type yes. of thing, I'm I'm here for it, man. That I'm does absolutely not roll here. off the tongue. It doesn't flow as well, but it's the idea is still the same, right? Because again, this is a Mississippi State team that does not shoot the basketball well at all. Very um, good defensive team. They are eighth in the country in defensive efficiency. Auburn is fifteenth. So they're a little bit better defense than Auburn. But, again, how much of that is skewed by the non-conference play? Because when they've played good SEC teams, which I'm not sure I'm ready to give that title to Georgia, even though Georgia started conference play very well, Alabama and Tennessee, they allowed 78 and 87. Mm -hmm. So right there, I'm not sure how good the defense is actually for this Mississippi State team. One thing about the Mississippi State, you kind of look at their roster and you start looking at the stats, they're a tall team. They've got some really big guys that I think will compete with Jani Broom down low and could give him uh, some trouble because Mississippi State rebounds at the same rate Auburn does. They've got guys that are tall or taller than Jani Broom. And that is maybe one area where Mississippi State could keep themselves in the ball game is rebounding the basketball on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively, and competing with Jani Broom. If somebody's able to shut down Jani Broom, Auburn's in trouble. And so I don't know where they go if Jani Broom can't be the go-to guy. That's something that um, I have er, yesterday on the drive. We had Zeb Jasper on talking about Mississippi State. He talked about... Tolu Smith, a guy down low, who and and Will McNair Jr. They they know that they have big guys down low that can give you trouble. Mississippi State teams always do. You've got to find a way to make life difficult on them. Tolu Smith is averaging thirteen point six and seven point six. DJ Jeffries in that conversation too. Yeah, and and those those two guys uh, those two guys are key in this game specifically Tolu Smith down low. How does Janai Broom stack up with him? I think Janai Broom can win that matchup because we've what we've seen out of him the last few times out, I think he can make life difficult on, on Tolu Smith. Uh, I think that he can get his against Tolu Smith. It's going to be somebody who's bigger than him, so it's going to come a little bit more difficult. Uh, but as long as he continues to play with the effort on defense and also on offense... If he runs the floor, that's been my favorite thing watching him. Like when I go back to that Washington game, which is when we really saw a complete game for the first time against a high major team for Janai Broom. When when he ran the floor and he got what six transition dunks just by getting up and down the court and having better energy and effort than uh, his matchup. That's what I want to see out of Janai Broom tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm with you and. This is going to look a little different, the starting five will tomorrow, with what we've seen this season because of the injury to Chris Moore, who is still 
It doesn't sound like he's playing. Right. Um, I think Bruce may have just straight up said he's not playing. But I will say this. I wasn't expecting for Zepp to tell us this yesterday on the drive. I asked specifically when you have a guy like Chris Moore, an energy guy, uh, a leader in the locker room, go down so quickly in a game, especially on the road. How do you react as a team? How do you come together? How do you replace that production? And in his answer, he just volunteered the information that Chris Moore might practice on Monday, which we were talking about an injury where that looked like he could be out weeks. Yeah. And if he's practicing on Monday, you got to feel really good about this stretch run Auburn has where to maybe, work him in. maybe they can get him back back to 100% before the key one is that road game at Tennessee. Because this stretch right now, Mississippi State at LSU, at South Carolina, Texas A&M at home, at West Virginia, is manageable. It's very, manageable. Very manageable. If he can, well, and Georgia at home after that. That stretch run right there, if this Auburn team can come out of there with one SEC loss, and you have Chris Moore back 100%, and he's playing well when by the time you go to Tennessee, then we're talking about Auburn being in a prime spot to finish top three, top four in the conference. And then you're hoping at that point, Auburn is starting to really feel themselves, really starting to get into a groove offensively. Uh, we know the defense is going to be there all season long, um, but you hope at that point the team starts to find a rhythm offensively Unfortunately, when things like this happen, when injuries like this, it seemed like Auburn was getting into a groove. Now you have to take a starter out. You're replacing him with somebody, and then he's going to come back, hopefully, and then you have to work him back in and move some things around again. So it can be it can be difficult, and it can be complicated to, to change things up that late in the season. But I think that's something that uh, just has to be addressed as that basically cross that bridge when you get to it type of thing right so for Auburn tomorrow it's going to look different starting five Chris Moore's not going to be there we expect that to be Alan Flanagan with the way that he has played in the last couple of games he deserves to be in that spot and he deserves to get another chance to be a starter on this team look I have been one of the biggest criticizers of of Alan Flanagan over the last two seasons I have been I'll admit that I'll say that and I'll admit that he's been playing good over the last few games. I need to see it on a long-term basis. Play like this all season long, and Alan Flanagan can save his image at Auburn. Yeah, he can. Absolutely. He can change the narrative of what Alan Flanagan has become at Auburn, which is ATM for me, which is negative when he's on the floor, a, a detriment to the team at times when he's on the floor. He can change all of that, and we know – He's got the talent. We've known that he's had the skills to do it. We saw it years ago when he was the guy. He's fought a lot to come back from this injury. And if he's able to come full circle and end 2022-2023 on a really high note, playing at the highest level of his career, I want that for him and I want that for Auburn basketball. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. He, He can play well enough here down the stretch this season to get himself drafted. Yeah. To get himself drafted. He's been somebody that that scouts have been intrigued about for a while. Uh, somebody that at various points has been back into the first round rated guy, uh, early second round guy. Consistently, consistency hasn't been there. 
if he all of a sudden is just locked in consistent for the rest of this season, you're talking about a guy who can go to the NBA this next year. Yeah, and tomorrow, again, we expect him to be in that starting five. I want to see how he handles it. How is he mentally tomorrow, Alan Flanagan? Because he's been playing this this way coming off the bench, right? He's been mm-hmm. a bench player that has come off and been one of the go-to guys Does his mindset change becoming a starter? Does he take that next step up, or does he take a step back? I think that's really interesting tomorrow. We'll have to watch and see. We'll get to our final break here on the Friday edition of On the Line in hour number one. We'll wrap up our conversation about Auburn basketball before I get out of here. Yeah, your your final segment of the week. Yep, that's it. Because then I'm going to be replaced by Zach Blackerby and possibly Jack Hudden. Yeah, who knows? We've not heard from him. I don't know. He'll roll. If he's here, he's here. If not, Oh, well, I'm sure he's listening somewhere. 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. You ready to host our number two, buddy? Oh, I'm excited. Oh, I'm yeah. excited. Well, I'll be it's... listening, so just be make sure you uh, keep up We're to standard. We're just crash you for an hour. Probably, and there's nothing <laughs> I can do about it. You never know. But, uh, yeah, I'll be on the road. I'm heading to Glenwood tonight. Uh, Lee Scott basketball, girls and boys taking on the rival Glenwood Gators. It'll be a rematch of the state championship in football. So, hopefully, Lee Scott can continue the dominance and take down Glenwood in the girls and boys games. That'll be on AU100, our sister station, 100.3. Varsity girls begin at 530, so I will go on the air at 515 for the varsity girls game, and the boys will be right after about 630 or so. So, be sure you tune in for that also. Tonight, you can go on 96.3 W. Lee on our other sister station, and you can listen to our buddy Jack Hudden as he calls Auburn High School basketball as they are on the road at Opelika tonight. So uh, let's see. Girls get started at 5.30 there as well. Boys will be right after at 7 o'clock. So it is rivalry weekend in high school basketball as Auburn takes on Opelika and Lee Scott takes on Glenwood. So two great broadcasts tonight. Looking forward to that myself, and I'm looking forward to going back and listening to some of Jack's calls as well so Carter you'll be on the board for that tonight with Jack so we're all kind of busy today uh, as we wrap up this week Mm -hmm. next week will be pretty busy as well Uh, you're gonna hear it'll be more so yes you're gonna hear a lot of me and Carter on this station next week I'm gonna go ahead and tell you you're gonna hear more of me though yeah you're gonna be you're gonna be (laughs) like you're gonna be here a lot and I'm gonna be doing Lee Scott by myself a lot yeah I mean I'm gonna be every day next week because we because we don't have that show on Monday so yes we are off Monday good I'm glad you said that we are off on Monday for MOK day so we are not doing shows on the line in the drive we are not doing shows max roundtable will be be on four hours every day doing on the line and the drive then board hopping for jack again on friday somehow i got three straight fridays of that i don't think you're on the schedule next friday i think i am i'm pretty sure i am I'm pretty sure you're not, but we can talk about that <laughs> off the air. Uh, I'm Again, I'm about to leave here in just a few minutes, so I want to give my final thoughts and predictions for tomorrow for Auburn basketball. Um, I think Auburn wins tomorrow. I think they win pretty easily tomorrow. Uh, as long as they can get the ball inside and Janai Broom can be the nuisance that he has been to other SEC teams, I think he will be uh, really, really good tomorrow. I think Auburn will just feed off the home crowd. I think Auburn's just a lot better than Mississippi State, to be completely honest with you. I think they're a lot more talented, better coached. The atmosphere will be big at Neville Arena tomorrow. So 
I look for Auburn to win. Again, I would predict that the spread would be Auburn probably, I'm going to go Auburn predicted to be eight and a half point favorites, and I'm going to take the over. I think, or I'm going to take Auburn with the points. I think it's going to be shorter be, than that. I think it's going to be five and a half. Okay. Interesting. Just because of the injury to Chris Moore, and we haven't seen a lot of outrageous lines, unless you're Alabama or Tennessee. Well, Kentucky somebody. was favored by 19 and a half over South Carolina. Well, yeah, I think that was before we all realized that. Um, that that video that surfaces every time uh, with the flaming dumpster that's yep. going down the street in yep. the in the flood. I think that's what <laughs> that's what Kentucky is. And I don't don't think we realized that. And uh, I'd be curious to see what the line is going to be against uh, Tennessee this week. Oh man, road I forgot they play. Oh, let me run through some te- some games real quick uh, and try to you got just like run a through. And a half, so I know we're going to do a little speed lightning round here, if you will. Tomorrow's a great day in college basketball. It really is. Again, I think Auburn will um, beat Mississippi State pretty easily. There's um, I look very forward to fascinating that. Fascinating games. You got Miami at NC State. That's a sleeper game in the ACC. 11 a.m. I Wisconsin think Tennessee, at Indiana, an Indiana team mm-hmm. that needs to get back on the right track. Yes. They do. Tennessee will roll over Kentucky in Thompson Bowling tomorrow. I think Georgia Ole Miss is interesting. I think it'll be it's not sexy matchup, but I think it'll be a lot of fun in the SEC. Uh, you look up and down Game this thing. Day. Game of the day. Kansas State at TCU. Ooh, that is a good game, actually. That is a really good game. Providence and Creighton in the Big East. Looking forward to that one. I like Kansas State, TCU. Iowa State, Kansas. Mm-hmm. That'll be a good one. I think Kansas will win that one pretty easily. How about this one? This one's really sneaky. Duke on the road at 6-0 in ACC play Clemson. Ooh, our boss Steve will like that game. He'll be watching it, I'm sure. How about LSU on the road at Alabama? Can they go in and knock off the top four rated Crimson Tide? Looking forward to that one as well. Lots of great college basketball tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Also, NFL playoff games tomorrow. Um, There's playoff games tomorrow, Sunday, and on Monday. So it's a busy weekend in sports, man. There's a lot going on. But again, tune in for after the game on Saturday with Carter Bird, Jack Hutton. You can tune into that right after Auburn basketball versus Mississippi. Mississippi State, but uh, I got to get out of here. I got to get on the road and head to Glenwood. Reminder, tune in. Lee Scott go, basketball. Go get a win. That's right. Go Warriors, baby. As Lee Scott takes on rival Glenwood, tune in 515 on AU100. That's 100.3. And Auburn High, Jack Cudden, as he looks at us through the studio window. He'll be in here. Zach Black will be in here. Carter Bird will be in be here. A different feel in, in hour number two. It's going to be weird, but I listen to it. Enjoy it. Carter. I'll see you on Monday, brother. I'm out of here. Stay safe. I'll talk to you all later. Stay tuned. Hour number two of On the Line coming up. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. All right, welcome in. Hour number two of On the Line, uh, the show that tells you how it is and holds nothing back, as uh, normally my good buddy Jacob Goins would say. Joined by a couple special guests here in hour number two. Um, like most Fridays, uh, Jack Hudden is in the studio. Uh, and then also, extra special guest here today, host of Locked on Auburn and uh, writer for Auburn Daily, Zach Blackery. Also, 
as I learned this week, the automated voice for the Auburn Waterworks board, as I called them this week, as I had a potential leak at my uh, house here in Auburn. I love how, how we, I love how the the introduction between the two of us was very like, well, there's Jack over there, well, Jack, and then now the great week. and powerful, <laughs> I mean, man himself, Zach. You McElroy. don't you don't have a podcast with that's with true. The, the, how, the, how many subscribers on on YouTube and everything? On YouTube, we're at like ninety two hundred, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, closing in on ten k. It's gonna be absolutely. awesome. Absolutely, we're well, getting there. How are we, fellas? Uh, Zach, Zach, how are you? It's the first time we've we've had you on the show since I've been here. Uh, is that true? I think so. Dang. Uh, yeah, no, things are good. Things are good. Heard y'all coming in talking about some of these linebackers coming in town, which is awesome. Just when you think uh, this coaching staff's done adding talent. You hear more guys coming in, more guys reaching out to Hugh Freeze and the staff. It's mm-hmm. been pretty incredible. Yeah, seeing this this staff just execute a plan uh, in terms of the at- talent acquisition aspect of things, it's exciting. Uh, Jack, how are you as always, buddy? And I'm now, good, what, buddy. What are you? What are your thoughts on these linebackers on campus right now? I was wondering about. I was thinking it was about time. It was seeming like Auburn was starting to maybe forget that they had a lot of holes at linebacker, and I'm still wondering about what the quarterback situation is going to look like. I think everybody is. Um, that one, to me, is actually not as as dire right now as I think a lot of people would, would like it to be because I think that's going to be one where if they find somebody in the spring that they're waiting on or if somehow behind closed doors and back channels um, they've had – communication with somebody else that they think is entering Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're waiting for the right guy there and I think that just getting bodies for that position is not what you need right now at linebacker get everybody you can and let them compete and see who's the best at quarterback get the right one and I think that's where they gotta go I'm so okay with Robbie being the guy next year which I know I'm in the minority of the folks that follow Auburn but I think I think if you kind of build a staff around them which it seems like what they're doing I think Robbie could be okay. I don't think he'd be I, great. I think I think uh, Robbie can absolutely get you to to eight and four right now uh, under Hugh Freeze with with a year of development with just because we've seen Hugh Freeze make magic out of basically every quarterback he's had and Robbie has a lot of tools yeah. that you would very much like. Um, I am I would like to see another guy in that room personally. Uh, yeah, I, be, I'd like to see Auburn at least on paper. Say we're competing for you know I mean as as gargantuan as it may sound we're competing for a national championship next year. Mm-hmm. Now the understanding in the room is probably going to be are we going to get to thirteen and zero undefeated and go to the championship game? Yeah. That's that's going to be a long shot. Now. Well, but you know, according to CBS Sports, Tom Fornelli this week had Auburn as one of the five teams in twenty twenty three that could be uh, next season's TCU with I think Miami, Texas A and M, Michigan State, and Nebraska, which a lot of the, a lot of those teams, all I mean, basically all those teams play each other, including Miami and A and M. So mm-hmm. it's not possible for them all to get to be kind of that breakout team. But Would you uh, rather play in the Sugar Bowl and just just play there, or maybe even win it, or get beat sixty five to seven in a national? I would rather game. go to a college football playoff because because yeah, that's, I'd that's, rather go to a natty. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's and, that that's something that. That's something that you don't have right now since the college football playoff has been a thing. I would rather absolutely go to a uh, college football playoff. And look, I mean, we've seen a maybe not as great Auburn team somehow like luck its way into a Sugar Bowl and 
get just steamrolled by a really, really good Oklahoma team led by a Heisman Trophy winner and Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather get beat by the eventual national champion champion in a national championship game than go to a Sugar Bowl. And let's not forget the road to that. I mean, we kind of experienced that in 2013. Like, the road to a natty is also fun. Like, losing in a championship stinks. It's the worst. But getting there is is awesome, and that's kind of what you remember. And I think TCU fans have kind of walked away where it's like, look, this was the first year that we had this coach. Like, you know, you can sell future. You can sell potential um, to, to anybody coming in. But how much is that a little bit dampened by the, the news the last 24 hours with Garrett Riley going to Clemson? Yeah. Because, also, they don't start classes until, I believe, January 17th. They've got, a, they've got five offensive transfers right now. They were talked about as one of the, uh, the leader as soon as Walker Howard, the LSU quarterback, hit the portal. Does that affect... Their offensive transfer class that was really, really good. Do you start seeing those guys maybe look at other options now that Garrett Riley's not there? Yeah, and I don't know the dynamics of TCU's recruiting and all that. We'll, we'll have to see. But also, in that situation, you're being negatively recruited and folks hearing, you, oh, you're interested in TCU, like you can't expect that coaching staff to all stay there. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure you know, with the where... The awareness that all these kids have in the portal and even kids coming out of high school... Um, Surely they realized that was a factor. but I think that it, that's an unbelievable pickup for Dabo Sweeney. It's going outside of his usual mold, and he goes out and he gets maybe the most talked about, the most hyped offensive coordinator in college football from the 2022 season. I think it's going to be uh, interesting. And it all of a sudden, in my mind, upgrades a Clemson offense that's been struggling here in the past couple years or so you guys know as well as anyone how important it is to have a good play caller as an offensive coordinator I mean you know a lot of Auburn fans felt like they had one come in in 2013 when you have Gus Malzahn at the reins well you kind of go through some some woes as an offense and by the end of it, you're left thinking, well, he's he's not very he's not a very good offensive coach, it doesn't seem. That's mm-hmm. at least the feeling with a lot of Auburn fans I know. And so I think it's important that you get a guy that's maybe not necessarily great on the technical coaching part of things, but can call plays at the right time in the right situation. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be um, interesting to see how that move, I think it's going to have shockwaves not only in the Big 12 and the ACC, but I think depending on how things shuffle out with transfers potentially looking elsewhere. Maybe maybe all of a sudden some guys have more interest in Clemson. Uh, but I think it's going to affect a lot of college football. I'm fascinated to see how that goes. But kind of bringing this back to Auburn, talking about the quarterback position with Robbie Ashford, there's been this, this I don't think it's a big segment of the Auburn fan base, but there is a portion that I've seen that's, you don't want to go get a transfer quarterback because you don't want to upset Robbie Ashford. You don't want to – some people use the hurt his feelings or anything. Personally, that is my least favorite argument against the transfer quarterback. I haven't heard that argument. I've, I've seen a couple people talk about it. Uh, Those people are soft. It, that's, that's my <laughs> entire perspective. Yeah, so. you go out to improve <laughs> exactly. your team. And, Raise and, the floor of your team, exactly. if nothing less. I would. We just saw this past year. You basically need four quarterbacks. I mean, we saw several teams have that issue. We saw Kansas have that issue. <laughs> One of Kansas them being State, Auburn. <laughs> Auburn, for sure. Think about how many SEC teams lost games 
Because Max Duggan were, was a backup to start the year. Exactly, exactly. But but I think about like Kentucky had to start a backup a couple times. Malik Hornsby had to had to start a couple times for Arkansas. Uh, you had Jalen Milrow at Alabama, and you see when there's a significant drop off, how much worse some of these offenses get. They, these offenses get right now. If you roll into 2023 with a quarterback hierarchy of Robbie Ashford, Holden Gurner, and Hank Brown, I don't feel confident about that And from a depth perspective because we haven't seen a lot of Holden. Uh, it's also a different scheme that you can make an argument. He doesn't necessarily fit the scheme as much. Hank Brown is very young, and I know that some people here on the show uh, may call him the baby goat, but uh, that's me. We're talking about me. <laughs> but uh, it's probably going to take him some time to to develop. I do you hear that kid talk? I, I really liked him. Oh my gosh, sounds like a like a grown man. Yeah, yeah, no, and he's after after I got done talking to him, I'm like, how old are you? It's like seventeen. I'm like, holy cow! <laughs> like I cannot imagine yeah. being that competent as a seventeen year old. You yeah. know what? I, I I do like that he is a pretty high-level high school basketball player because, to me, that shows that he has a little bit of extra athleticism. I mean, we can think back to what – wasn't like Josh McCown, like a high school basketball superstar where you can go look at his high school highlight tapes of him just yamming on everybody? Yeah, yoking folks. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I, I love when, it, when a quarterback kind of has that to their game. But I – right now, we know Robbie Ashford runs the football a lot. He's not – the thickest guy for 6'4". We know he played through some injuries this past year. I'm not comfortable with just three guys. And I think if you are worried about upsetting Robbie Ashford and upsetting a quarterback and not going and getting a transfer because you're worried about how it affects the, that room, maybe from how hard they work or something, then then maybe that guy's not going to be the guy regardless. That's what I was going to say, Carter, is that you, exactly. If you bring in a guy and there's another if guy... If it negatively that, affects right. the effort in the room. Yeah, exactly. Then that was guy, that he was never the guy all along. I think what's interesting about Robbie is that in this entire season, well, this entire back half of this season, you looked at games where you knew Robbie was going to run the football. I mean, you had games against Alabama, games against Texas A&M, game against Western Kentucky, and I think it was Mississippi State, too. In all of those games, you knew Robbie was going to run the football. They knew it, and they still couldn't stop it. I think there's packages for Robbie in next year's offense just because it worked while teams still were able to say, hey, let's line up and actually stop the run. Auburn still ran over I would Robbie. just love to give him time to get 100% healthy and maybe a year to develop too. And on I think that's where I'm and coming then, from. 2024, I think he can be an absolute superstar. That's where I'm coming I'm from. I'm just, I'm a little hesitant because of the accuracy issues that we saw at times. I know he was playing through injury, and Zach, Zach knows more about that than than anybody I know, I guess. But uh, Zach, what are what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm curious to see if he'll be used in the same way. So last year, he had like it was like 700 yards, uh, I believe, 710 rushing yards. The average quarterback in a Hugh Freeze offense rushes the ball for 447 yards. And sure, he's had the Bo Wallace's, but he had several years with Malik Willis, right? So I, I had this discussion with Bill yesterday. I think Bo Wallace, I think he was a more athletic, more mobile guy than we give him credit for. Dr. Bo, clinical. I mean, he, he, he had some years where he went and got like eight rushing touchdowns, like 350, 360 yards rushing at Ole Miss. Because I was, in, in reference to T.J. Finley, who 
I think we should mention is currently on the roster. I don't expect him to be on the roster by the time the fall <laughs> I starts. I was going to ask you about that. You still, you, I you can, still discounting the huge comeback that Finley's going to make this next year? I just year? don't think he fits <laughs> anything Hugh Freeze is trying to do in his offense no, right I, now. I agree with you. I, I'm I not really sold that uh, people expected him to walk in the doors at the team meeting. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, 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 I've, I've talked to multiple players that did not expect him to be there. And the conversations and the whispers of when he walked in, everyone's like, is that TJ? What's TJ doing here? <laughs> then they go up and dap him up afterwards. Like, hey, man, glad you're here. You know, whatever. You're my teammate. But it just th- felt th- this, weird down the stretch of the year, didn't it? Well, I, th- this player, you talk to players themselves. You talk to players' parents. The first thing that comes up after TJ Finley's name is brought up is when he refused to go in to relieve an injured Robbie Ashford because he didn't want to burn his red shirt. Which which game was that again? It was it. Oh, was it Arkansas? I think it was Arkansas. Yeah, it was. It was one of uh, Harson's final games. I know that it's either Arkansas or Ole Miss because I don't think I don't. I think Auburn was out of it. They just kind of had to finish the game. But you know, TJ played up here in four games. It would have burned his red shirt. And so, um, you know, he chose not to go in. And then later we found out, you know, players were afraid to go to Harson to ask for a red shirt because then he'd like kick him off the team. Right? Yeah, we saw that with Landon King the portal and, or quit. and all of that. So it's like, you know, I, I don't really know what TJ was supposed to do. I, I guess the answer was go in. But um, people, I, I don't think you could really come back from that as far as a position at quarterback when they have to trust you yes. <laughs> to, to, to lead the team, to lead the offense. And so well, I, I don't really know like what a realistic expectation or what a realistic role is for TJ Finley if he were to come back. In my opinion, I mean, there were <laughs> – I've talked to you about this, Zach. You you had uh, TJ's dad, D, on the show, <laughs> and that was one of the more interesting episodes of the fall, I will that, say. That was a good day for Locked on uh, Auburn. And yeah. some of the things that were said um, kind of – coming at the coaching staff and then maybe I don't think he ever said anything wrong though I I agree with you I should he have said it I don't know uh and then I think that there were some vague social maybe vague maybe not so vague social media posts that put in blame elsewhere not stuff that I love out of the guy who was supposed to be the leader and the starting quarterback and I'm fascinated to see I guess how that plays out here I would love to continue this conversation after the break here in a second, but we need to get to our first break here of hour number two on On the Line. Feel free to call in at 334-321-1390. We'll be back on the other side. You are On the Line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Welcome back to hour number two of On the Line, joined by uh, special guests Jack Hutton and Zach Blackerby. Hey, buddy. Uh, and we were we were talking the Auburn quarterback uh, room, talking about TJ Finley, talking about Robbie Ashford, potential transfer, uh, and kind of what that room looks like. What do we think the, the the expectations going into the spring are? And really, I guess here in the next week or so, Zach, I'll, I'll look at you first. What are the chances that we see an addition between now and the end of Auburn's registration period, I believe on the 18th? Likelihood that we add someone, uh, I would say 50-50. It, that, that's higher than I would have thought, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think there's a real chance, though, that whoever that is still isn't in the portal yet. 
We'll see. Uh, as far as expectations, I think regardless of who you add, I think Robbie will be the starter uh, for most of the spring. He may even start in 8A, but we all know that what happens in 8A doesn't really matter. But I, I think with most of the guys that we've talked about in the portal, there's only been two where I'm like, I, don't, I, I think Robbie offers more than they do. I didn't feel that way with McCall, and then obviously that's kind of closed for academic reasons. But after the spring, if he catches up, that creates a really interesting conversation. That would. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Pratt, you know, Tulane's quarterback. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. When, and then he he never to this point who has not, not entered yet. Right. No, no, and and I've got some sources in Tulane. I mean, they, they threw some money at him, so good for him. Good for him. Yeah, he I, got I, his payday. When is I, the last time we heard that? The Tulane threw some money at somebody and were able to get them on. Campus. I don't know, but that's you, the only time I've ever know, said it. You know what it? You know what it pumps me up for? It pumps me up for here early in 2023 when they Ole Miss comes to town. They come to New Orleans and uh, Tulane pulls that upset and it starts the cratering of the 2023 Ole Miss season. Who I think there's a chance they go four and eight. That's just me. Carter sent me this schedule last night with just this like crayon-esque L's and well, it's, W's it's, it's, on it, and he said, tell me where I'm wrong. It's what's on the, the <laughs> iPhone when you yes. start drawing on, on pictures, but I think things can go really south at Ole Miss. But that's it could be bad. Me. It could I, be bad. I would love to see what uh, your the Locked On Ole Miss host, Stephen Willis, would say if things go just awfully south. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> anything that happens at, at Ole Miss, whether a coach leaves or anything, is because Lane wills it to be. So I'm sure his stance would be if they went, you know, four and eight, he'd be like, well, Lane wanted to go four they were, and eight. They were tanking for the first pick in the draft. They had yeah, him that's all along. it. I'm like, Stephen, that's not how it works, buddy. Like, I love you, but that's just not how it works. But uh, uh, actually, let's let's get to the phone line. We actually have somebody waiting on hold. Uh, the phone the phone number is 334-321-1390 if you want to call in. Uh, I think we have Terry on the line. Terry, how are you? I'm great, guys. How y'all all doing? We're doing all right. Terry, a round table working there, don't you? That's it. Yeah. We're all here a just bit, for you, Terry. Um, I would say to Lane Kiffin, the guys, I would say good luck coaching for the Rams next year because that's where he's going to eventually go, I think. As the head the coach? As the head coach, yeah. See, I, I think he's destined I to go back to the NFL. I really that. believe that. I struggle with right now the NFL taking Lane Kiffin in as a head coach because of how this past year ended. The drama that always seems to follow him around. There's always the whispers around Lane Kiffin. And look, whether it's fair or not, I mean, he was, it was what, 15 years ago when he was a head coach for the, he was like, what, 28? Yeah. Uh, when he was a head coach for the, for the Raiders. That didn't go well. That didn't go yeah, well. I just have a hard time believing an NFL team is going to come snatch up Lane Kiffin right now. I'll give you the newsflash on that card. The NFL doesn't care. Well, <laughs> what what if I hit you with this? The last three college coaches to go uh, to go from college to the NFL have been pretty miserable failures when you look at Kingsbury, uh, Matt Rule, and Urban Meyer. And I would respond to that by saying Lane Kiffin doesn't care. I think the NFL might care because it's failing. Well, right they now. might, but if if they can win, and I think Sean McVay is from Georgia. I did not know that. I knew he played at like yeah, Kent State, from, didn't he? I can't remember that, but I think he's from the state of Georgia. I can't remember that, but hmm. I, I apologize if I'm wrong. But I think he is from the state of Georgia, and he's some kind of super stud high school player in so Georgia. One Sean McVay, heir apparent to Kirby Smart, is what you're 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 telling me, Terry. I'm sorry. 
Sean McVay heir apparent to to Kirby Smart is what I'm hearing, right? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna reach out there and go do that. That's like trying to scratch your right ear with your left hand. <laughs> yeah, he is from Brookhaven, Georgia. Okay, Brookhaven, Georgia. Okay. Yep. Um, keep talking about this quarterback stuff coming up. You know what I think is going to happen? And and Zach, I want you to tell me if I'm right on this or wrong. Okay. Um, I think one of the guys at Georgia is going to end up transferring because when Carson Beck came in the other night. And uh, after, you know, Georgia had it well in hand, say after the first two minutes of the game, um, mm-hmm. they had two five-stars on the sideline over there, and I guarantee one of them is going to be gone. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, Brock Vandergriff's name seems to pop up every time there's a, a transfer portal period, and, you know, maybe maybe Auburn would have some interest in him. But I don't think, Terry, uh, I don't think he offers more than what Robbie Ashford does. In, uh, in 2023. I know some people may roll their eyes at that. Vandergriff, uh, you know, much higher recruit coming out of high school. But once again, we're talking about fit and what Hugh Freeze has been able to do with some of these more athletic quarterbacks. You know, he, he might be, but I would add that to the long list of quarterbacks, Terry, that we saw in the portal over the last month mm-hmm. or so. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if they offer more than what Robbie Ashford does. And I agree, I agree with you there, Zach. And Terry, if I can just jump in real quick. I mean, that, sure, I'm I think, sorry, Jack. No, that's good. I just I think I agree with Zach there in the fact that, you know, if you look at who is more proven, I mean, you definitely think, okay, Brock Vander, if he's a five-star, he probably has a lot of talent. If you look at who's more proven at the college level right now, as much as we, as much as people will dog Robbie Ashford about his inability to throw the ball, Robbie Ashford is more proven at the college level right now. And so, in that mindset, you go, okay, who would win that job, really? Now, you know, you can't really tell because Brock Vandergriff, excuse me, has been playing behind Stetson Bennett, who's been the presumed starter there for what twenty years now, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so my my thing with Vandergriff is he's a name that I feel like for the last three four years has been associated with Auburn when he was coming out of high school and then each of what the last two years or so why do we believe that Vandergriff is some sort of like savior for Auburn football because he was talked about last year like oh keep an eye on the transfer portal with Vandergriff he could hit the portal and he could be Auburn's quarterback next year and then you're hearing it again now it appears to me he is at best third string on that roster because in a 58 point game Carson Beck got every snap for Georgia. Well, and then you got Gunnar Stockton right behind exactly. whoever it is. Which, which, it is. which makes the, the Stetson Bennett story that much more interesting. The fact that there's 14 stars of quarterbacks sitting behind the former walk-on, which, uh, of course, everybody's favorite struggle for Stetson Bennett going from walk-on to junior college to Georgia starter and two-time national champion. Who's looking forward to his career at the SEC Network, right? <laughs> I'd watch him. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, you're 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 probably pretty close to being right there, Terry. I I, I think that you're. He'll get overdrafted though. He'll get overdrafted in a few months first. Well, it's, especially now that what I saw. He'll at least get overpaid. Yeah, people good, good people <laughs> are starting to say that Brock Purdy, his success is helping Stetson Bennett's stock, which I find fascinating. Mm, that's fascinating. I gotta, that is. I got to think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, where else? Some more bills. way longer than a second, Zach. Where else, where else are you going to have talent around you, other than I guess at Alabama? where it helps you on the level that it does Stetson Bennett. When you look at Mac Jones in the league right now, and I know I'm sitting next to a Patriots fan, but you look at Mac Jones in the league right now, (laughs) I'm just not so sure that it's working out for the Pats. Well, it's like uh, my my favorite was 
uh, Bryce Young's Heisman speech where he gave a whole speech about how everybody's always doubted him his whole <laughs> life. And I was like, you are the sixth highest-rated quarterback since that. 2000. You played at Mat- Matter Day, one of the best three or four programs in all of high school football. That was wild. You were the number one recruit in the country. You went to Alabama. You were the heir apparent. You're an All-American. You're a Heisman winner. Tell me where you got doubted. Tell me where. Yeah, one spot. <laughs> and which one of you guys made the comment for come on about uh, the quarterback at Tulane and they offered him, was that you, Zach, made more money, offered him more money? Yeah, that was me. And somebody said, when's the last time somebody seen that? I said the Sugar Bowl, Kansas State, when Alabama offered Bryce Young more money to play in that game. Mm. I was talking about Tulane. I was talking about when did Tulane offer money. I thought, I thought you meant when a quarterback got offered more money. I, I, he comes immediately to mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Carter, earlier in the show you had a caller about the wide receivers. I think the Auburn wide receivers are better than people think. I think the key to it is Landon King. But, I, I, yeah, I think they're better than people think they are. I really do. I just think it's hard for a quarterback yeah. to throw passes when he lay on his back. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, you've – Landon King's a guy that it's been confusing to me how he hasn't gotten on the field. I know some people say, well, he can't separate. Well, he's six foot six. I'll say so. To me, to me, to use the analogy um, Stanford Steve always has, the tight end's always open. The six six guy's always open. Terry, we, right. we appreciate your call. Sure, we uh, got to go to break here. Take care, when guys. we come back, Dan, we will get to you. Sorry for – thank you for being patient. Sorry for the uh, delay. We will get to you first thing on the other side of this break. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to our number two of On the Line, joined as always on Friday by our good buddy, friend of the show, Jack Hudden, and uh, also special guest, host of Locked On Auburn, Zach Blackerby. Uh, having a good time here in the Auburn Network studio here uh, this to, Friday afternoon. I need to. I need to apologize. I, uh, I insulted the Patriots in front of Zach. Oh, and, dude, uh, I'm so used to. to people insulting the Patriots. <laughs> people are having the best time. What? Well, when you have a reign of dominance for 20 years. It, no, and what, what a run it was. What a run it was. I'm just, I'm embarrassed because I was just so happy when we drafted Mac Jones. I was so excited. And for the first year, it, it looked could be great. Worse. You could have dra- drafted Zach Wilson. Uh, yeah, that's true. No, I, I don't think it's all Mac. I think uh, Patricia calling plays was abysmal. I agree. Um, Having a defensive coordinator call plays. Yeah, I, I never got that. Yeah. Yeah, like, what does Patricia have over Belichick? Like, I don't know. But, you know, they announced today they're looking for the new OC. Yeah, so absolutely. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens it there. It can't be worse. <laughs> right? Well, let's... Jack, uh, tell me it can't be worse. I mean... It can't let, be worse, right? Ha, let's talk about basketball now. No, well, hang on, hang on. But we're, we're going to transition out of the Patriots. We're going to head back to the phone lines. 334-321-1390 if you want to call in. in there, Dan Zach. has been patiently Thanks. waiting. Dan, we appreciate your patience. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I was going to jump in on the Robbie Ashford thing. Um, I think last year, when he first got to Auburn, they were not looking at him as being a starter last year and honestly i don't even think he was really thought of to be getting in the playing time at all he was more of a of a future you know high potential but you know he's got a lot of grooming to go agreed and i think he didn't really get to practice and run all the plays when they finally decided hey this guy's got great you know athletic ability great running ability we're going to create some 
some plays for him to run into the game, they still weren't using him like a true quarterback. And it wasn't until they had to do it in the fourth game when all of a sudden we're like, okay, you know, Zach Alzada is not going to happen. TJ Finley's struggling or, or, and he's hurt. He got hurt. And then, and then all of a sudden he's in there and he's having to basically learn the whole offense and practice with the, 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 I guess the starting wide receivers and all that at the very, you know, last second, you know, you throw anybody in that position, I don't know how you can expect them to be able to have all their timing down and, and have everything figured out. I mean, we're rotating offensive linemen. We're rotating receivers. You know, that's a lot to ask for anybody to come in, and all of a sudden, you know, we expect him to be a, this fantastic passer. Mm. I bet you with a year under his belt of grooming, of getting coached properly, you know, with Hugh Freeze and the other uh, coordinator that's obviously a good quarterback coach, I would honestly believe – He's going to jump big time in terms of his accuracy. Because when you're sitting there throwing all those short patterns and all that over and over and over and over again for a whole year, pretty soon it becomes easy. But I just don't think he ever had that, that chance or he wasn't really in the mix in the very beginning. And I think that, you know, we don't know how good he can be. He could be fantastic. Now, you guys have said, yeah, in a year, you know, he, may, he, could, he could be great. Well, he already showed me quite a bit. So, you know, I think next year he'd get better. And then his third year, if he if he is the starter this next year, he might be one of the best in the whole entire country. So, to me, I, I really think he's going to be the guy that we need to ride. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think most of what you said is absolutely true, Dan. I, I don't know if you could say he never really was given a chance early because Calzada was extremely limited in the spring. And every practice that we were able to see, it was Finley one. Robbie, too. So I think he got plenty of reps. Now, I do think the offense wasn't created for him. I think they thought the, it would either be TJ or Calzada running the offense, and then, you know, things happened and TJ got hurt, and it is what it is. I also think a big chunk of it was I think he was limited. And, and there's some stuff that I can't say in regards to his injury, but as far as like how he practiced and how he played in the game, I, I think he had to modify a lot of what he wanted to do as a quarterback. So I'm with you. Uh, as of right now, something would have to really change, and Auburn would have to get some really, really big-name quarterback for me to change my mind and pivot. But, yeah, I, I think Robbie Ashford should be the quarterback for Auburn in 2023. Yeah. I, I just think he's going to get that much better. Me too. Uh, yeah, you know, me too. I mean, you, you put anybody that's their first year. I mean, you know, and you also have to think he didn't play for his first two years. I mean, he's basically playing baseball, you know, so, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's really kind of having to pick it all back up. But yeah, I mean, you, I just, you aren't wrong. He had more triples in his first, I guess, year and a half on <laughs> campus than he had pass attempts. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Dan. Dan. And just to, just to kind of piggyback off what, Zach, you're saying there, I think there's two things. So I'm looking for a guy in the, in the fall that is maybe not necessarily you know is going to be your unquestioned starter unless it's a guy – I mean – of course, if you get a guy like, I mean, and I'm just, I know it's not going to happen, but I mean, you get a guy like like Bryce Young enters a portal, of course you take somebody like that. I mean, he ups your room. But I think if you're looking at Robbie Ashford as a potential candidate for next year, you've got to go out and at least get a backup option because you still hadn't seen it live. Now, you may have seen it in practice. You haven't seen it 
happen live. He hadn't seen him truly go out and win a game with his arm yet. And so I think that you've got to have at least somebody in the room as your backup plan there, just in case that doesn't work. What what um, what if he went the other way? What if somebody went in the portal like um, that's a different type of skill set? Somebody like a Will Rogers. What do you do in that situation? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would probably say. You know, I, I don't really know the answer to that, honestly. I'd probably say you at least let him compete and you see who runs the offense better in I practice. Mean, I, I think that you, I mean, I would take Will Rogers right now at Auburn because also com- think coming you recruit back in 2023, Will, Will Rogers is what, the third best quarterback in the conference? Second, depending on where you put Rattler? I mean, it's... it's. I'd rather have him than Rattler. Daniels. Wouldn't you? I would because Will Rogers has done it so consistently for a long period of time. Rattler, the highs are super high, but the lows are really low. And mm-hmm. then you saw how he played in the last, what, three, four games of the year? If you can do that for a full 12 games, I mean, yeah, he's a top five pick in the NFL draft because he has as much arm talent as anybody in college football, if yeah. not more. Mm-hmm. But we haven't consistently seen enough out of him. Rodgers, I do think it would be interesting merging him from an air raid system to – Hugh Freeze, I think it'd be a little bit different. Um, I think you got to have not a the most threat. mobile guy. I think you got to have a threat to run in a Hugh Freeze offense. I don't think you have to run, but I think you got to be a threat to run. Well, I mean, I t- if you're gonna ask me, I think that Montgomery and Freeze together are going to be adaptable enough to they will fit the skill set of the court of the quarterback. It's not going to be Brian Harson where sure. you've got Robbie Ashford in there and you're going to try to run the T.J. Finley offense Gosh, with him. I'm so because glad that's that was over. awful. What but, was he, like? What were they thinking, man? Like <laughs> they went through like th- these coaches that like do this professionally. They would all sit in the room and like would come up with those game plans. It's just the craziest thing. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. Be. Instead of recruiting, by the way. God. That, uh, yeah, no, not a whole some, lot of that. There's some stories there that that we could get into if we wanted to. But because first, I'd rather I'd rather transition to Auburn basketball because the momentum seems to be pretty high right now. Mm. Couple big wins. Road win at Ole Miss, one of the kind of thorns in uh, in Bruce Pearl's side, Jared sure. Davis is. They they come back home tomorrow against Mississippi State, a game that I think we should feel pretty good about. But Mississippi State's not good. Yes, I mean they're a bottom half conference team, despite coming into conference play. They lost uh, four fine. of their last five, um, including good. three SEC games. Their it, win was against Ole Miss. Yes. Who's awful. Who's <laughs> fair. That's, that's a good point. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, Zach, I really want to know how you how you actually feel about things, if you just kind of let loose. Man, why, uh, why lie to the people, you know? <laughs> this is These are two programs right now that feel going in different directions. Auburn's won four of their last five. Yes, you had the disappointing loss at Georgia, mm. but you've bounced back with a win over Arkansas and a win on the road at Ole Miss, which, by the way, conversation for another time, how many, how often can a win over Arkansas be considered a Super Bowl when it appears just everybody's going to get that win right now with how they've started SEC play? I asked up Jasper about that. I saw that. And... Um... I mean, it, it was also just a weird spin on that game yeah, by Arkansas. I, I didn't fans. get where that came from from Arkansas like, fans. You I mean, are what Kentucky, did Auburn do? Like Kentucky, I, yeah, you can make the argument. Like, well, and what did Auburn do? What did Auburn do to suggest that that was their Super Bowl? You know, just they dominate them the in the court, second like half, keep yeah, them just, at arm's length for just, twenty minutes. Yeah. Or like, be excited that it is a ranked opponent at home. Like that's. 
Like, you're not special. You're just ranked and you're next. Like, get over yourself. I like that. You're the ones that stormed the court last year when you beat exactly. us. That, exactly. that, that's what's hilarious about it. Just the, the lack of awareness of what Arkansas is when they beat Auburn. And they're like, well, it wasn't about Auburn. It was about that you were number one. And it's like, it's the same team, dude. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, take the L on this I mean, if, and move on. If we are going to call that the Super Bowl for Auburn basketball, then them beating Auburn in football this year had to be their Super Bowl for football, right? They made a dadgum hype video before a home game two years ago of all the ref missed calls over the previous four years. Arkansas fans are obsessed with Auburn. Yes, and, and Arkansas uh, basketball, they've been a pretty good program over the course of time. Yeah, and back-to-back uh, not, elite not, days. Like, let, let, yes. let's, let's, let's don't downplay what they've done. Oh, oh, absolutely. Sure. I, I mean, I, I agree, but, but I'm saying, like, Arkansas kind of across all of these, especially football, it's kind of like Kentucky and Ole Miss and football where you're seeing – they have a couple good seasons, and all of a sudden they're like riding way up high on the horse, and they uh, they seem to think that they are locked in in that second tier, and that they're a better program than Auburn in football. And then it carries over to other sports where you can make the argument that historically yeah. Arkansas is absolutely a better program than Auburn. But kind of bringing it back to this Mississippi State game, we know Chris Moore's probably not going to play. Bruce's comments today seem to. Uh, paint that picture. Zepp Jasper was not expecting this yesterday on the drive, but seemed to volunteer the information that Chris Moore might practice on Monday, so maybe it's not as bad as we maybe feared. But how does Chris Moore being out for this game against Mississippi State affect this Auburn team on Saturday? Well, I think the fact that you've had a resurgence of Alan Flanagan the past couple of games mitigates that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that Chris has been a pretty important piece, especially out of the gate for Auburn this year. Um, you've seen him at times come up with the first couple baskets of the game or, or maybe gets a strong rebound and makes a big play that is kind of your momentum dictator for the game. Um, so I've liked that out of Chris. Over the course of the game, though, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with if you can keep getting the same production out of Allen that you have been uh, since – what the first, I guess, second half of Georgia game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can keep getting that production, I think that over the course of the game, if you fill in Chris's minutes with Allen's, I think you're going to be just fine. Yeah, and he's doing it in a way that seems repeatable. I mean, it's not yeah. like he's going 10 of 12 in a night. He's going, I think last game, he was 6 of 12. And he's, you know, he scored like 15 points. Like, oh, I'll take that. With yeah. with only one turnover. That's yeah. the uh, biggest number to me is, yeah. is he's, the turnovers are going down. Yeah, playing over 30 minutes, so you know he's capable of doing that. And so, yeah, to me, I, I think what he's doing is extremely sustainable. And you're like, okay, well, he's getting more shots. Whose shots is he taking? And it appears to be Katie Johnson's, which, you know, he yeah. shot it just five times in the most recent game. And only one which, of them was which, a three. Which right now is a good thing because of how inefficient he's been shooting the basketball, especially from mm-hmm. three. Honestly, until he gets that fixed, I like I cringe every time Katie Johnson puts up a three. Right, it, now. it's just so statistically like it's just a bad. Every analytic would say like, don't do that. And no. they like they don't look that good when they get to the basket. Like it's pretty hard bricks. It feels. No, like, I, I think I right it. now when we saw KD, he shot it five times. One was a three. Like I think that's about what we need from and him right now. So my my other I guess complaint about KD Johnson right now, and you saw some moments in that game against Ole Miss where if he can repeat it, he can have these strong performances. But right now with the way he's shooting the basketball, the 
positive outcomes that happen when KD has the ball is when he is going to the rim. Mm-hmm. When he's going to the rim, he did it a couple times. He got a couple layups. But over the course of his career at Auburn, we've we've seen where KD Johnson has had moments. There have been moments where Auburn goes stagnant on offense. They go cold. And you've been able to rely on, okay, KD Johnson's going to get this ball. He's going to go to the rim and either get a layup or get to the free throw line. He has not gotten to the free throw line the same rate that he has over the course of his career here over the last four or five games. I want to say he's had two free throws, two free throw attempts in the last three games combined, and he missed yeah. both of them against Ole Miss. And if I'm not mistaken, and I didn't mean to cut you off, I think that his free throw percentage this year has gone up as well, if I'm not mistaken. He's one of, his, at least he's towards the top of free throw percentage in the country. I know, yeah. I know he was at one point. Yeah, I mean, it's. I would like to see him get to the line more yeah. uh, because I view him as a solid free throw shooter, and I think that when Auburn goes cold offensively, that can be a place where uh, you can stop the clock, everybody can take a breath, and you can get a couple points at the line. That's what I want to see out of him going forward. We need to hit our final break of the Friday episode of On the Line. Feel free to call in at 334-321-1390. When we come back, we will continue this conversation about Auburn basketball. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back to On the Line, the final segment of the Friday episode, joined by Locked On Auburn host Zach Blackerby and friend of the show uh, and typical Friday guest Jack Hudden. Uh, We were talking some Auburn basketball before the break, and I kind of want to revisit Alan Flanagan because I've been awfully encouraged by what we've seen out of him these last three games. Uh, That Georgia game, I know it was a loss, but it was a kind of turning point it felt like for him where he hadn't been playing very good ball and then he had a solid game there had a huge game against Arkansas and then backed it up with another really good game at Ole Miss and to me Mm. the most encouraging thing that I have seen is it appears there's been a mentality shift an effort shift for Alan Flanagan and the play that that uh encapsulates that for me was and and I'm pretty sure I heard Daryl Daprich on Locked on Auburn mention this, Goat. and I, I saw it uh, as well live. He has the ball. He drives. He goes up for a layup. He gets blocked. He hits the floor. And at times, I would say, in Alan Flanagan's career at Auburn, we would have seen him slow to get up, slow to get back on defense. But no, he got up. He sprinted back, and he got a steal and basically wiped the block away mm-hmm. and kept Ole Miss from running the other way and getting a fast-break bucket. That, to me, is the encapsulation of the difference in Alan Flanagan over the last week and a half yeah. and the Alan Flanagan over the last year and a half before that, really. I think Auburn got a layup out of that play as well, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly. I mean, and, and it's, it's not just him. Yeah. Because Wendell Green, before the last two games, Ooh. had been wildly and just like, the numbers don't make sense how inefficient he had been for a little stretch there where he struggled to hit basically any shot. His three-point percentage was just ticking down and down and down every game. Um, And then on the defensive end, he was a liability. He'd lose his guy, and he'd give up some easy points. What you've seen out of him, he's gotten more efficient. He's scoring more. He's getting to the free throw line, getting to the line 11 times against Ole Miss, hitting all 11. Huge. But to me, the part that excites me the most 
He has three steals in the last two games each. And, and the, the effort level is different out of Allen Flanagan and Wendell Green. And if, they, if Auburn keeps getting that, I feel mm-hmm. pretty optimistic about what, what this team can do, especially because the SEC outside of Alabama and Tennessee feels rather wide open. I don't know how good A&M is. They might be better than we originally thought, but uh, it feels like Auburn can finish top four, maybe top three in the conference. Yeah, the, the conference right now, I mean, so many teams are underachieving. Kentucky's the obvious one. I think you could lump Auburn in there to some extent, but even... Arkansas. Arkansas, for sure, and the fact that Auburn already has that. And then Arkansas losing to Alabama this week. Like the I know that they did, too. Uh, I know that nobody wants to like pull for Alabama from the Auburn point of view, but like, I think it actually helped Auburn because Alabama's going to finish ahead of you anyway. So like take that as a yeah, win, I they think. Look, they look really good. Yeah, they may not lose a conference. I mean, they they look incredible. I think, I think Tennessee gets them. I think Tennessee's better better than they are in my opinion right now. Wow. But okay. but I think I think Tennessee's the best team in the SEC and I think but I think both of those teams are very capable, very deep runs in the in the NCAA tournament. But m- both Mississippi schools have taken a step back since conference play started. LSU looked good, right? Because they're like, oh man, they probably should have beaten Kentucky. But then we're like, oh, well, what's Kentucky <laughs> well, do? Well, right? Well, like, they, does that even mean anything? They, they upset Arkansas to start conference play too. That, and that's so right. You were, you were feeling right. really good about that LSU team. Yeah, and then both those teams aren't as good as they thought. But and then I don't think, especially if they don't get Nick Smith Jr. back, which it's starting to feel like they may not. I mm. felt like the first time I had heard anything about this, and I mentioned it to Jack when we were sitting in here watching the game before, uh, after the game, was. Uh, Tom Hart dropped a line super casually, and it's the first time the thoughts come in my head. He's like, well, Nick Smith's not with the team. He's out uh, in L.A. because he's a client of Clutch Sports, you know, LeBron's agency and everything, and they're overseeing his rehab. We will see when or if Nick Smith wears an Arkansas jersey again this year. And since then, I feel like I've heard a little bit of buzz that maybe you may not see him back in an Arkansas jersey. And if you, you don't... I don't think that team's that great. Well, I think when they're a tournament team. They made when they made that announcement about because it was like a load management thing for his knee, right? Yeah, that was what the announcement is. Yeah, when I read that and I did some more research on the guy, I'm like, oh, this guy's like a projected lottery pick. Like, oh, he's not playing fourth pick, fourth, fourth pick, pick, pick of, in the draft. I realized he was that high. So yeah, like it's that's to me that's like oh, he's not playing again. Yeah, I mean he was he was the guy. He was not far uh, past you go. Uh, Wimbignana, uh, which maybe I got that pronounced that name wrong, That's but close. The, the the French kid who's like an alien who's going to get drafted first, and the, everybody thinks going to be a superstar. Tall. And yeah. Scoot Henderson, those are locked in one two. Yeah. Nick Smith was not far behind that. A lot of people had him picked to be the like freshman like f- of the year in college. He was like basketball. five or six, and I think a couple mock drafts. To well, pick- on on ESPN on Saturday they had him ranked fourth. Golly, I didn't realize he got that high. Um, to, to piggyback off what you guys were saying, I think with LSU is coming up, um, I think that's an interesting game to see In kind of where Auburn – yeah. Uh, because I think that's an interesting one to see where Auburn starts to fit in the in the middle of this conference because you go on the road to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not very good this year. LSU, of course, they do start out the year against Arkansas, and we mentioned the Kentucky game, but then they've lost to Texas A&M, and then they got beat by Florida at home this past week. And now they got to go to Alabama. So I think that that's interesting to see. Is Auburn going to have a tougher time in Baton Rouge? If they do, I don't know if LSU is as good as we were thinking they were. So quickly, we've got like 20 seconds left in the show. <laughs> uh, picks for the Auburn-Mississippi State game. I've got Auburn winning this one. Double digits. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be like 71-59. I'd take that. Jack. Auburn, uh, 
I go 15 plus. Well, gentlemen, thank you all for, for joining me for hour number two. Check out Zach on Locked on Auburn and Auburn Daily. And uh, Jack Collin, Auburn High Basketball tonight. This is right. a fun 96-3. one, 96-3. Yeah, tune in. Yeah, Auburn and Opelika. That's going to do it for us here on On the Line. We will see you next time.